hello, everybody. Welcome to the A Block. My name is Marshall Ferguson. Thank you for being here as always. We do appreciate it. At CF Perspective is where you can find us. And if you have your child wearing a CFP hoodie on the Jumbotron at a CFL game, you too will get a big shout out from yours truly. That was fun. It was at the Ticats game on Saturday evening and looked up, was sitting with one of my buddies, just went there to observe from the stands in the upper deck and try to get a sense for a bunch of different things that are happening in the game in 2022, whether it be the hashes or personnel groupings or how much teams are going to go four by one with the receivers. And I looked up at the Jumbotron and I went, uh, it's one of our hoodies. My buddy turned to me and said, you, you, you made it. <laughs> it was a nice little mode made my weekend so thank you uh to uh, some of the listeners i know that i interacted with you tim shout out to you and your son uh for taking the hoodie that you got at the great cup event that we did at Merritt brewing in downtown hamilton and repping it at a uh, at a beautiful evening at tim horton's field as the ticats storm back in stunning fashion to get the victory over the montreal alouettes this podcast that i'm doing for you here today uh, is very much just me wanting to open up the microphone, hang out for a couple of minutes, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, I don't know, and just talk about preseason thoughts, talk about things that I've seen, things that I'm interested in, that have experienced uh, over the last week or so as we head into our regular uh, lineup of shows into the regular season. Of course, all of this is brought to you by Fox 40. Start your season off right, just like we are here on CFP with products from our partners at Fox 40. You can outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. Visit fox40shop.com and use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. I will get to some of the cuts, what I think of them in just a couple of minutes here. First, I wanted to bounce my way through uh, some of these preseason games. They've been fun. And I don't know if it's just because we haven't seen them, the teams on the field competing against each other since obviously the Grey Cup. They've been in training camp. I don't know if it's because of the relief that came with finally getting the CBA finalized and we enjoy being able to see the teams on the field not having to question whether or not they would be back off the field the next day, back under strike conditions. But there was just something about Friday that I found really, really enjoyable in Ottawa, like relaxing to a certain extent. Uh, and, and I think it made me feel more comfortable in the booth. I, I haven't felt that kind of joy from everybody on the CFL and TSN crew in any games that I've worked. And it was just, it was like a celebration of our game. This thing doesn't mean anything. We're just here to entertain people, have fun, remind you why you love the Canadian Football League and see what happens. And the great thing about football, as, as much as any sport, is that there's a lot of randomness involved. And there's nothing more random than the preseason when you have a billion guys on your roster. So we basically open up the microphones, are doing a dress rehearsal for the television broadcast, and we just let play out in front of us whatever's going to play out. It could have been a 3 nothing final. It could have been a 53-50 to 50 final. It wouldn't have mattered. We would have approached it the same way, which is let's just make this a good time for people to come in and enjoy. And I hope that we did that for you in the game that I was working on Friday, again, with Dwayne Ford, uh, Ottawa against Toronto. But what ended up happening was this awesome story where Adams, a third-string quarterback, or at least he was that night, for the Red Blacks, throws a pick six. Goes the other direction, and I said on the air, one of the most difficult things you can do, I believe, in professional sports is to throw a pick six as a quarterback and have to go right back out within a couple of plays. And the reason I believe that's one of the most difficult things that you can possibly do 
is there's really no time to gather your thoughts until you're thrown back into the fray. And sports psychology, if you listen to CFP, you know it's something that I am constantly interested in, which is how do people overcome adversity? How do they take a challenge and turn it into an advantage? How do they learn from it? And the pick six is really a microcosm of all of that that I was always fascinated by when I was playing, but getting an opportunity to see it now covering football There's a lot of quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, especially in the preseason with young quarterbacks like Adams, you throw a pick six and your career in the CFL is over. You crumble. You have absolutely no chance of getting your feet back underneath you. And from that point on, you're just swimming uphill, trying to survive, and you never really get a chance to do so. He ends up coming back and leading two touchdown drives. Like after that, he ends up grinding it down. Yeah, Jackson Bennett was great. Ends up with seven carries for 62 yards. Uh, got damn close to scoring a touchdown at the end of the game that wouldn't matter a lot. But again, when you get these small sample sizes where Adams is six of nine, Masoli's eight of 11, Caleb Evans is nine of 17, Chad Kelly, who we'll get to in a minute, seven of 12. Like you can't really extrapolate completion percentages and yardages and touchdowns per pass and all these things we do throughout the long haul of the regular season. I just think we take this at face value. Like we don't have to go into deep analysis. Adams bounced back from a pick six in a preseason game in a league that he is learning and led two touchdown drives. End of story. That was fun. That was really fun to see. And I enjoyed being able to call that one. Now, the other side of this, the quarterback situation, obviously by now, you know, Antonio Pipkin has been released by the Toronto Argonauts. He was the backup to McLeod Bethel Thompson, who looks like he's going to get, as you would expect in the quote unquote home preseason game, even though it's being played in Guelph for the Toronto Argonauts. Looks like Macbeth will get the start coming up this Friday against the Ticats as they round out the preseason. But Chad Kelly comes in, goes 7 to 12, 78 yards, yada, yada. What I loved about Chad Kelly's performance and the reason why I think it opened the door to Antonio Pipkin getting released is that Pipkin is, he's more than David Watford in terms of running attack, variety of offense that you can use with him. But it always felt like, when Pipkin was in, that they were limited, which is the same feeling you got when David Watford was in. Now, Tommy Condell worked around that. Ryan Dinwiddie worked around that in 2021. But if you have the option to have a backup quarterback who doesn't limit you, who can do just about everything, why would you not take the advantage of not being limited? And that's, I think, why Chad Kelly is sitting pretty right now after Pipkin's release to be the number two in Toronto. I love the idea that they came out on the first play and tried to hit a home run with Kelly as well, because all we've heard throughout training camp is he's got mobility, which he showed off a little bit of, which might maybe not quite as athletic as Antonio Pipkin, but pretty damn close. Like it's, it's not a huge disadvantage for Kelly in that category. And then he shows off the arm strength and the accuracy. I mean, that stuff's going to come as he ends up getting more used to the angles of the field and the release of his receivers. And he's still working with guys who in that game are not named DeVaris Daniels and Eric Rogers and Curly Gittins Jr. And the guys that are going to be impact players at receiver for the Argonauts that are under contract. He's working with a variety of different names, right? Whether it's AJ Richardson or Isaiah Wright or uh, Coxie. Marquis Dambles was in there, but only got the one catch for nine yards was a little flip to the flats. Uh, Dress Anderson's been released. Chandler Worthy's been released at this point. So it was not, the A team. I'll be real interested. Second half of the game coming up this weekend, Toronto against Hamilton. What Chad Kelly looks like if he's working with the starting group. I think Dinwiddie's going to give him at least a couple of drives with that group. And 
there's a developing tension that I know that everybody is anticipating, which is, well, what happens if Chad Kelly looks like he's fantastic and Macbeth is the starting quarterback? Reality is, McLeod Bethel Thompson's the starting quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts until he proves that he does not deserve to be the starting quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts. It's kind of the same thing as Jeremiah Masoli at the start of 2021. It's like, he's the guy until he proves that he is not the guy anymore. And by the end of the season, he proved he was not the player that they wanted. And Dane Evans stepped in, complete 100% of his passes in the East Final, onto the Grey Cup they go. Masoli still has to come back in because Evans is injured. You understand how the story plays out there. Now Masoli's in Ottawa. But Chad Kelly, his skill set, I thought, was really intriguing watching it live in person because there's so much of this stuff that I've heard, the size, the mobility, and the arm strength, and all and it you got little hints of it, and you just get a sense that ooh, there's a lot more there. There's a lot more that he might be able to access in his game. And you got to keep in mind, with his limited exposure to the CFL game, he hasn't even figured out what he can do in this league fitting this game. He's figuring it out on the fly as we are watching him in real time. But again, that's a huge advantage of the preseason is we get to watch these people figure out how to do their jobs in real time. And so Chad Kelly, I think, will be a lot of fun going into this week. Uh, as for Antonio Pipkin, the release, I mean, he got squeezed by Kelly. It's pretty obvious. I think he's going to have a lot of suitors. Like Winnipeg, to me, Drew Brown, sure. Like, I, I'm not a huge believer in what they have kind of backing up Zach Claros out there. And if Claros goes down at any point, Prukop, I think we've seen what he is in the CFL, bounce around, athletic guy. But I guess the question is whether or not you think Antonio Pipkin can give you more as a backup than Prukop can athletically. He can certainly run the short yardage package as well as anybody in the CFL at this point. Like he's kind of James Franklin, if you want to call him that, in terms of burrowing his way forward and having a little bit of impact in the running game, uh, whether it be out of the shotgun or otherwise. So, uh, but I, I think he's going to land in the league. I think he's got an opportunity. And I'll have an article up on CFL.ca about where I think some of these guys uh, might end up landing moving forward. But in terms of the Ottawa Toronto game, uh, that's pretty much everything I had for Edge. I just thought it was super fun. In the Edmonton game, it was not broadcast, but I was following it pretty closely, and I actually got a chance to watch the highlights from TSN on uh, on my phone as I was uh, headed back east uh, the night of the game on Friday. And, man, Nick Arbuckle, I know it's preseason. <laughs> he looked really good. <laughs> that was the first thing that jumped out to me was, how confident he looked throwing the football, like whether it be the fade ball into the end zone or rolling to his right, or throwing with accuracy. I just, Arbuckle, there's a, there's a big part of me that is pulling for him to get a real true opportunity. Do I think he's going to get that with the short, I don't want to say attention span, but you get what I'm, I'm meaning here of Chris Jones when it comes to quarterbacks. If he continues to play like he did in that first preseason game, Nick Arbuckle's the starting quarterback of Edmonton. The question for me is, if you get impatient with him because he has one bad quarter, one bad half, how does that impact Nick Arbuckle? Again, sports psychology, it's a theme here with quarterbacks, always is. Where will he be able to bounce back if he's not necessarily given the opportunity? Because if he has a bad half in the first half of week one and Taylor Cornelius goes in, that would be a tough look. And for a guy who's gone from Calgary two, three years there to Ottawa, never play down to Toronto, play a couple of games, get traded Edmonton. It's like signing bonus, Ottawa, signing bonus, Toronto, signing bonus, Edmonton. 
he's trying to prove himself. He's trying to prove he's more than a signing bonus transaction guy. And uh, in full transparency, I reached out to Nick after the game was done. I said, hey, man, I saw the highlights. You look fantastic. And he said, yeah, I worked a lot on the deep ball. I worked a lot on deep ball accuracy and a lot of things outside the numbers in this offseason. And it showed. So I love seeing people that take information and adversity and turn it into progress and development. And he's absolutely done that. It showed out the first game. I hope that he gets a chance. Backing up behind him, Kai Loxley went 9 of 11, 85 yards. That's great. Trey Ford had more rushing attempts than pass attempts. Uh, (laughs) I should be excited about that, that Trey Ford was in the game as a Canadian quarterback. But I have this innate fear that Trey Ford is going to be treated as a running back who is listed as a quarterback on the depth chart more than he is a quarterback who can throw who happens to run. That's a little concerning for me. He did have 47 yards, though, which actually led the Edmonton Elks in this preseason game when it came to rushing with a long of 15 yards. So we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. I just, I constantly, Trey is is such a nice person. My biggest fear, I think, is that anything and everything that Edmonton asks him to do, he says yes. And it takes me to another athletic quarterback who was questioned whether or not he had the ability to run an entire offense RG three, when he was with Washington and they just ran him into the ground. I don't want that for Trey Ford. He's way too talented to just be a guy that you throw the body into the pile time after time after time and say, well, we hope you don't get hurt, but if you do, you're just a toy that's on the side here. He's, he's more than just a toy needs to be treated as a valued member of that offense. I would hope going forward, but uh, regardless, Jalen Marshall uh, in there for Edmonton as well, got some looks, uh, Roberts, Fletcher caught a ball into the backfield as well. Uh, so nice to see them getting involved a little bit. And uh, and certainly Edmonton's receiving group, they're going to lean on Kenny Lawler. But Cobb seems to be coming along nicely. Shy Ross, you hope they get some touches for him. Uh, and then on the Winnipeg side, I mean, there really wasn't much to talk about this game, to be honest with you. It was Johnny Augustine got his touches. Uh, Nick Dembski, I mean, was essentially trying to play the leading role in a receiving group that that didn't have a lot of the bodies out there. Uh, a lot of the starters came out relatively early in this one. So I, I do think that probably the highlight of the whole thing on either of these teams that was underrated was probably Scott Hutter out of Wilfrid Laurier, nine tackles and an interception in this game, which led both teams. I mean, he made plays absolutely everywhere from some of the stuff that I had seen. So um, that was the Friday night. And then Saturday, Montreal Hamilton, I'll just dive into because I was there. Uh, It was great to be able to watch at Tim Hortons Field. The way that the Ticats came out, I was really intrigued because this stuff has to be scripted. Like, there's no way that they're going into, hey, Dane, you're going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. Let's just throw you out there and we'll give you plays on the fly. It's like they very clearly had a plan of things they wanted to run with him. And it was all safe. It was all one read, two read formation, alignment, easy pre-snap reads, all of that stuff, which again, it's preseason. You're you're dipping your toes back into the water and get used to what's in front of you. But man, I was watching this whole game from the upper deck on the east side at Tim Hortons Field. and, And all I was trying to pay attention to was how much of an impact are the hashes having? Because when we're calling the game Ottawa, Toronto on Friday night, we don't have an opportunity to really bear this out. We talk about it once in a while. We mention it here or there on certain plays, like the interception that was thrown early in the game. 
uh, I believe by Toronto, if not mistaken. I think it was uh, Avery Williams that had the interception. That was a throw where the window was small to the field because it, it looked like it had been pinched a little bit. It was the field number two receiver. He ran a little five yard in. Bad route, late throw, whatever. But it was one of those where it's like, hmm, that, the spacing's a little different on that. Not a lot different. It's only four yards. But just different enough to make it a smaller window to try and throw into. I'm watching this Dane Evans stuff. And I'm watching the formations and the alignment and how teams are rotating. And the thing that jumped out to me was if you're going to go four receivers to the wide side of the field and put that one receiver on the backside, and I know that this will change and evolve throughout the season, but I think it's really going to be the main talking point in terms of X's and O's of how teams adjust to this from the coaches that I had talked to at the U sports level, East West bowl scouts, GMs, otherwise, I just kept asking them, what are teams going to do against this formation or that formation? And four receivers to the field, one to the boundary, running back in the backfield, okay? In that, there were almost exclusively, from what I've seen in the preseason, boundary corner stays in the boundary. Boundary halfback stays to the boundary. So now you've got the free safety, and then the field corner, field half, Sam linebacker. And you've got essentially the middle linebacker having to take responsibility for the inside of the four receivers. And if you do, you're playing five on four, but because they've left that boundary halfback on the backside. And I know that some of that stuff can be difficult to talk about without visualizing it, but essentially the moral of the story here is they're leaving two defensive backs on one receiver into the short side of the field. If you get that pre-snap as a quarterback, 1000 times out of a thousand, unless you have a, freak receiver you're on the goal line you can back shoulder throw it away from the second defender you're just going to play the wide side of the field and I saw a ton of that in this Hamilton Montreal game where everybody was just we're going to go four by one okay they leave the halfback on the backside. I'm playing whatever route concept is on the front side and it's such an easy pre-snap read for the quarterback again I know it's preseason I'm not saying that this is going to be systematic and whatever through the regular season but what I am seeing is anytime you get that as a quarterback, I'm sitting up high. It's easier to see from up there than it is on the field as an actual player. But you get that, and that gives you so much confidence to be able to work your front side routes. And then you get more and more creative with your concepts as the game goes on if you know that's the coverage that you're getting. And so I think that that's going to be a major part of, of this season is, is reading out how teams are going to play against that four receivers to the wide side of the field. And if you're at a game, recognize that. Like as soon as you see four receivers to the wide side, I mean, hell, it might even be, there was a little bit in that Ottawa-Toronto game where teams were, I think the Red Blacks went three by three. They emptied it out. And it was like, whew, man, there's a lot of space out here and there doesn't seem like there's enough defensive bodies. So it's, it's something fun to watch. And, and I'll be at the Hamilton-Toronto preseason game as well, just watching from the stands and trying to sort out, you know, what does this look like and how are teams playing against certain formations, alignments, where the ball is placed, all the rest. But uh, on Montreal's side, Trevor Harris, again, 9 of 12. Uh, Alexander, I thought, looked pretty nice. Their backup quarterback, 11 of 14. Davis came in 11 of 13. The quarterback ratings were out of this world for the Alouettes throughout the entire evening. The overall team stats in terms of passing, uh, where is it here? They ended up net yards. Alouettes had 130 extra uh, net yards. And the passing, they were 380 Gross yards to Hamilton, just 137, but Hamilton wins. Why? Uh, pass interference call at the end of the game. A deep throw here or there, a little splash play, a couple of field goals. Uh, the punting game, oof, not great for Hamilton. 31.2 was the gross punting average uh, 
And Steve Milton wrote in the Hamilton Spectator here, he says, it was a preseason game, which almost by definition meant it was going to be sloppy and full of mistakes. But the weather was great, and if you're going to keep score, you might as well have the home team win and probably on a field goal in the last play of the game. So Hamilton Tiger Cats 25, Montreal Alouettes 23, courtesy of Irish-born kicker Tag Leader, 35-yard field goal with nothing but zeros left on the clock. A lot is going to happen before the season ends. Heck, a lot has already happened. Read, short strike followed by averted strike before it even started. So nobody is going to remember for very long that with 15 seconds left to play, the Owls had scored on a two-point convert of Davis Alexander's quarterback sneak, or that rookie Ticat quarterback Jamie Newland, that Newman then launched a deep pass to Danelle Williams that the Owls stupidly interfered with at their own 28-yard line to send Leader onto the field for the win. Earlier leader who's in a battle with Canadian Michael Domagala, American Seth Small, and Australians Joel Whitford and Blake Hayes for the punting and kicking jobs has played only a handful of football games in his U.S. Spring League and the Polish Professional League after a career as a rugby player. Good story, so far anyway. His only touch Saturday night prior to the winner was a weak 33-yard punt. So redemption was a relief, he said. And then there's a nice long quote in this article from Steve Melton, but the punting game was pretty ugly for Hamilton and certainly something that they need to sort out here. And that'll be uh, one of the stories I think for them heading into Friday night's matchup against the Argonauts, which I'm uh, excited about. The last thing that I have for you on this Montreal Hamilton game that I found real interesting was I was not familiar with this Hogan character. That is the receiver for Montreal. Uh, 11 catches on 12 targets for 102 yards I understand, again, it's preseason. There's not a lot of wiggle room in that Montreal receiving room, but he looked like a dude. Like, right from the very beginning of the game when he had the first touch, I'm like, who is who's that? And I look him up. I'm like, okay, well, certainly seems like he's getting some attention. He was getting love from Trevor Harris, seemed to have some chemistry, has lots of size, good separation. I'm like, I don't know where this dude's going to play, but he feels like one of those in training camp that you're looking around, and you're like, he's going to play. Wherever he's going to play, he's going to end up playing. So we'll see where he lands. But he was certainly the best player in that entire game, I think, without question. And then the last game uh, on this one, I really don't have much on BC Calgary. I didn't have a chance to go through and watch it. Bo Levi with a couple of interceptions. I watched his press conference at the end of it. He talked about, you know, <laughs> being kind of ugly and, you know, he'll he'll wear those interceptions, but he'll get back on it. And I don't I don't think we need to overreact to him having a couple of bad throws here or there in the preseason when he's working with guys he's trying to get on the same page with. The only thing I have from this game is the quote-unquote controversial hit on Kevin Thompson, the backup quarterback, likely third stringer once Nathan Rourke dresses because he didn't in this game. Michael O'Connor started, went 17 of 23 for 151 and a touchdown. They were up big. It was 41 to 6 was the final. And without having the context of understanding the flow of the game, the emotion of the game, what the sidelines were like, there's a lot of things I don't know because I wasn't there, but man, I just felt like a lot of the lions looked bad and sounded bad with some of the quotes that came out about, Oh, it's late in the game. They shouldn't have blitzed. Sorry. Like I, I am all for sportsmanship. I am all for, people understanding when it's time to push and when it's time to sit back. But if, if I am a CFL fan and I am paying money to go to a preseason game, I want those teams to play until the clock says zero, zero, zero in the fourth quarter. Like you're already mailing it in with your rosters half the time. 
why would you mail it in with your play calling? Why would you mail it in with your effort? There are professional football players on a professional football field. There is time left on the clock. Play football. They did. Calgary did. And he took a shot and he got injured and he spent the night in hospital. And I don't love seeing players get injured, but I do love watching football being played at a high speed. Guys are trying to earn jobs. So Michael O'Connor, I, I think the quote probably got taken a little bit out of context because, and I'm not saying fake news and media, this and that. What I am saying is I think he was just keeping up for the guy that's in his quarterback room. And he gave an unintentionally salacious headline that got run on blogs where he said, well, you know, we, we won't forget about that. You know, it's late in the game and you'd like to get out of here healthy. And it's just the preseason. I think he was just trying to, to deflect and protect his fellow quarterback in that room, despite the fact he's in competition with him for the backup role behind Nathan Rourke. But man, that I just thought that that was really weak. Like if that's where we're going with preseason football, where we're treating it like the pro bowl in a way of, you know, an almost an all-star game of, well, you can't run certain defenses or you can't blitz too much or oh, that's mean. No, man, it's football. Play football. I, I don't have any time for that whatsoever. I Player safety. Absolutely. Was this a dirty shot? Was this after the whistle? Was this a blind side? Was this a clip? Was this a diving at the knee of a player when he's not looking? No, it's a quarterback standing in the pocket, throwing a football in a preseason game. I understand it's late. I understand they're down. Part of football is when teams blitz, you either pick it up or it's on the quarterback to get rid of the ball so that he does not get hit. If you didn't do that in time, that's on you, man. Sorry. That's the way it goes. That's going to be it for this edition of the A Block. I told you it might have gone 20, 30 minutes. Who knows? Turn the microphone on. You see what happens. But uh, the cut downs here, I just want to rifle through them before I get out. Like I say, a couple of them that... Uh, are relatively meaningful. I think Jordan Williams Lambert is going to land somewhere. He got released uh, by the Calgary Stampeders after being with the Saskatchewan Roughriders previously. Tristan Deku, defensive back from Toronto, uh, was spraying fans on Labor Day last year uh, in Hamilton. I, I don't know where he's going to land, but he's a big, long defensive back that somebody's going to have interest in. Chandler Worthy has got to get signed somewhere. I, that guy is the ultimate battler when he got let go by Toronto last year. He stayed in Toronto, was throwing with McLeod Bethel-Thompson until they re-signed him, which was pretty amazing. Um, Asnel Robo, the French uh, national that played for the Montreal Caravan, had some trouble in pass protection in the Toronto-Ottawa game. That's probably why he got let go. Brady Sheldon, I was actually kind of disappointed he got released by the Argos. He's 6'5", 230 at middle linebacker, made a great special teams play in that game. 6'5", 230 middle linebacker who can run and hit. Ooh. Again, it's pro football. Somebody's going to want that, dude. The BC Lions, Victor Gamboa, Jamar McGloster, no real big names there. Defensive back national, O'Shane Samuels, I thought was a little bit surprising, but likely got squeezed as they kind of move their ratio around a little bit on that one. The Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, they ended up releasing uh, Howard Stevens, Dwayne Norman, linebacker was a name. Jordan Smallwood is a big body receiver from Oklahoma. Andrew Pickett, uh, Guelph alum, I thought it was interesting. And then added to the sixth game, is defensive back Trishon Abrahams-Webster and Ryan Davis. Uh, Ryan Davis going on to the sixth game is not great, but thankfully they have the depth with all their free agent signings in Ottawa to be able to uh, keep him probably shelved a little bit and make sure he's healthy and all the rest. But uh, really nobody of note from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers after their first preseason game in the, in the 30-20 to 20 loss to Edmonton. The Stampeders, 
as I mentioned, Jordan Williams Lambert is really the one. Uh, Elaine Pay, interesting for me because he was a high draft pick of Edmonton when Brock Sunderland was there. Raw defensive end, good athlete, but not really sure what his fit was going to be. And he was essentially in Edmonton lined up behind Matthew Betts and Kwaku Boateng. And then he gets let go, goes to Calgary, and he can't hang on there. I just, I don't know what the natural fit is. And in hindsight, that might look like a really bad draft pick by Edmonton back in the former organization. So uh, the former administration, I should say. But uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, six game, I think was more important than their release list because really there, there wasn't anything in the release list that was shocking. Coulter Woodman's the offensive lineman out of uh, Guelph, Lamar Durant and Tyler Ternowski. Young receiver from Waterloo, they end up going onto the six-game list. So I'm not sure what the receiver depth is going to look like on the national side. And I wonder whether or not that will actually tweak their, their starting depth uh, and the ratio allotment going into week one of the season. But uh, the Montreal Alouettes, Quabina Asari, big offensive lineman out of Carleton that's kind of struggled to stay in the league after, I think, spending some time out west. Uh, Ethan McConzo. The uh, brother, of course, of the other Maconzo that went to Edmonton fourth overall this year in the draft. He gets let go by the Owls. And then for Edmonton, uh, really nothing to, to speak of. Shaden Phillip, I guess, is, is one that kind of jumps out to you there that played at the University of Alberta. So uh, all in, you're probably looking at Pipkin, maybe Chandler Worthy, Jordan Williams Lambert. And outside of that, just a couple of six-game injured lists. And uh, we make our way into preseason week. Number two, beginning with Tuesday night football. Can't believe we get some Tuesday football coming up this week. Uh, is it will be the Bombers and the Rough Riders? It is on TSN. Oh, everybody's been talking about preseason and broadcast and stuff. It is on TSN. Winnipeg against Saskatchewan. Looking forward to watching that one. And then Friday, you will get yourself uh, four games that will all be played out. Red Blacks, Alouettes, Tiger Cats, Argonauts, Stampeders, Elks, Rough Riders, Lions. And that will essentially put a bow on the preseason. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Always appreciate it. At CF Perspective is where you can find us. And, of course, at TSN underscore Marsh is where you can find me as well. Between now and when I talk to you next, should be with the breakdown coming out a little bit later this week with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. Have yourselves a great week. It's great to have CFL football back and looking forward to chat with you again soon right here on Canadian Football Perspective.